1: Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Amanda Zwanzinger is our guest today. Amanda is the best-selling author of The Paralyzed Movement, Finding Purpose, Peace, and Freedom from the Things Paralyzing You in Life, and a successful speaker, life coach, and professional focused on helping others chase their dreams and change their lives. Amanda spends half her days running her own consulting business, Right Hand LLC, and the other half, as what she has coined, which is one of my favorite phrases a ministrypreneur in both endeavors, Amanda's passion is helping people discover how to find happiness and success in life. In 2015, Amanda's fiance, Todd was in a serious accident that caused complete paralysis on the right side of his body. His odds of recovery were uncertain, but the miracle that transpired in the days after his accident amazed even his medical staff. Todd's healing had a much bigger meaning and purpose to help people overcome the mental paralysis in their lives. Join us for an inspiring and captivating conversation about faith, miracles, and freeing ourselves from the paralysis that keeps us from being our best selves. Amanda, welcome to Next Steps Forward.
2: Thank you, Chris. I'm excited to be here with you.
1: Amanda, let's get right into it. Yeah. You have have such an incredible story, and you've been on such an amazing journey. Take us to that day in 2015 when Todd was injured.
2: So... You know, as it was mentioned, he was my fiance at the time, so we weren't married. We are married now, <laughs> um, but it happened to be a day where we decided to uh, spend some individual time with our our children separately because we spent a lot of time together, and um, and so he ended up going to pick up his daughter from a friend's house on a four wheeler, uh, about four miles away from his house. Uh, I knew that he was leaving to go get her. I I told him, grab her a sweatshirt because it was a, it was a June evening, but it was chilly and most guys don't recognize the same chill girls do. And so he grabbed a hoodie and uh, went on his way to go pick her up, grabbed her and was on the way back when a deer jumped out in the middle of the road, right in front of the four-wheeler. And so he locked it up, started fishtailing and was really concerned about Eliana flying off the back. And so he decided to take it into the ditch where there were tall, you know, weeds and everything to protect his fall, or to protect her fall, I should say. And they did not see that there was like a little hidden earth ramp and the four-wheeler went and launched and flew. And he ended up um, face first into the side of the ditch Eliana Thank goodness, um, only had a bruise, although she sticks claim to the emotional scars, and we surely think that uh, she rightly uh, can claim those, but um, Todd suffered a severe spinal cord injury. He broke uh, his C6, fractured it, completely shattered it. It's replaced by a titanium cage, and he fractured his C7 as well, and he was fully paralyzed on the right side of his body. Fortunately, for Eliana's sake the the sweatshirt not only cushioned her fall, but she also was holding on to her cell phone in the pocket. And so she was able to call me and 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 through the screams, I interpreted that there had been something serious that had taken place.
1: How does one react to something like that? I can't well, imagine.
2: i I flew up. <laughs> I flew up and, um, into my car and, uh, in the process told my two sons to get in the car. I, 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 on the way there was thinking, why did I just encourage my children to come to an accident scene? It would later be realized why, because I needed to, um, be communicating to Eliana to try to locate where they were at. It was a four mile stretch. And so I had to try to decipher that from her. And then at the same time, uh, one of my sons needed to be on the phone with 911 uh, getting them there. So when we arrived, we were really fortunate to discover that a a retired sheriff had been listening to the scanner and was the first on the scene. Uh, and when I when I got up there and um, found Todd in the ditch, he was alert and awake. Uh, he had actually uh, tried to move and hurt his, or hurt his neck crack and decided that he needed to stay put. And, you know, one of the most inspirational parts of Todd's story that I don't think gets shared very often is that he accepted his situation in that moment. He knew that there was a serious issue. He was unable to move the right side of his body and he accepted it. And he determined in that moment that that was his situation and he was gonna be moving forward from there and did not, did not lay in that ditch with any poor me's or why me's. Um, but we were fortunate and blessed to have uh, the, the, the most amazing medical care for Todd. Uh, he was life flighted. I remember hearing the the, uh, the retired sheriff say, we need the bird. And that was a real sickening feeling for me. And part of our journey and my journey in discovering really what this message, what we could learn from this process is, I immediately entered into this state of just total fear and trembling anxieties. I I remember taking weeds and just ripping them out of the ditch because I just couldn't handle and deal with my anxiety. And it was an anxiety that I knew well. It was an anxiety I experienced for a very significant part of my life. So when he was in flight... Uh, to the hospital, and I was being driven by a friend, I immediately went to prayer. And I was begging and pleading um, to God, you know, just please, you know, heal him, please, Lord, make this not be serious and everything. And, and just this massive physical trembling anxiety. And in that prayer is when I heard God say, he will be healed. And he repeated it to me. And it was the most instantaneous peace. Uh, it was so amazing. My body stilled, and just this comfort and knowledge and acceptance to believe in this promise. Uh, it changed the the journey for me, and it really changed the journey for the whole family. It became really our beacon of light to believe in this. This promise that God was was laying on our heart that He will be healed, uh, and it it proved out to be true. Um, I can share the miracle with you. Uh, well,
1: <clears throat> yes, but before we get there, yep. you know, a couple times you mentioned prayer, you mentioned God. At the beginning of the show, we talked about this being about faith, yeah, or being part of the conversation anyway. What do you say to people, and in particular, people who may not believe in God? who say there was to be a logical reason for Todd's recovery that has nothing to do with faith or miracles or divine intervention.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the loaded question. I think that, uh, I think that so, so many people can put coals in and ask, but I, I truly believe that, uh, you know, what we, what we saw transpire was, was something that could not be explained from a standpoint other than a miracle. Whether a miracle takes place through divine intervention or not, I guess it's for somebody's interpretation. Um, But the definition of miracle is actually divine intervention. (laughs) And so a miracle took place regardless. And our medical staff really agrees with that. Uh, So what played out was four days of of no movement on the right side of Todd's body, we saw we saw zero progress. Um, doctors were were not giving us any um, you know indications that he would see beyond what um, what he had at that moment, and um, it would have been on day four that Todd started having trembling anxieties. Uh, His body was the body, the parts of his body that could move were convulsing very, very physically. And we thought at first it might be the injury. Um, And the doctors were like, it's only happening when he's awake. And so we think it's anxiety. In fact, we're certain it's anxiety. And so that is when I, uh, this would have been on day four, I decided to share with Todd the verse that helped me through my trembling anxiety days. And it was Philippians 4, 6 through 7, uh, the summary of it, do not be anxious about anything. And um, Todd at that point in his life, always a churchgoer, but having that like true moment of, wow, like God is here and present and he is just, he is knocking my socks off. He hadn't had that profound moment. And so I, you know, I shared that verse with him and, and Todd closed his eyes and started praying and we all, everybody in the room just watched his body just stop. It just completely stopped. The convulsions never returned. And then in the next hour, his foot started to move later that that day, his leg. Uh, fast forward to seven days later, he was walking down the hallway, dancing a little jig. There's an awesome video. You can look it up, just Google Todd's miracle and you're gonna find it. Um, and it was it was profound and it, it, it can't be explained other than um, you know, his physical therapist said she'd been doing it for 35 years and had never seen anything like it. So it was a miracle for sure. And for me, we define miracle as divine intervention. And what ended up playing out the rest of our journey, uh, I had somebody who shared with me, somebody whose son was in a four-wheeler accident, a very serious accident. And she shared with us, be very specific in your prayer requests to people and be very specific in your prayer requests in general. And so we every step of, of the way, every day, we would put out a specific uh, prayer request on um, our Caring bridge site. and then the next day what we prayed for would happen. and it just happened over and over again to the point where you know there were 10,000 people who who viewed it on Caring bridge at one point in time. They were blown away by what they saw. it was it was amazing.
1: We've had a few injured veterans on here um, with spinal cord injuries. Both are paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Both cannot walk again without the assistance of a device. So they're yep. familiar with, with the C6 and C7. Yep. A week later, he's dancing.
2: Yeah. It's in the video. You can see it. It's, he's dancing both a jig down the, the hallway. And then the next day he danced uh, bedside with no aid at all. It was profound.
1: That is unbelievable. <laughs>
2: And I believe that it happened for a reason. There's, there's a huge lesson that God laid on my heart because of this journey. And it's what we can learn from the warriors that do, um, you know, battle spinal cord injuries and paralysis and, and what we can learn about the, the, the mindset and the heart of, of people who are facing really any physical battle. There is there is this this mindset of hope and determination and belief because you know if Todd just accepted his re his reality and and didn't have that hope and belief and determination you know then what what does he what does he have to look forward to He's got to fight for it you know and and work hard to overcome and he hasn't gained everything he still has our final frontier which is his right hand. Um, but we have we have seen just the power that the human spirit has in physical journeys, and we've seen the power that the Holy Spirit has on that human spirit and, and how much even more powerful it can have. So why don't we take that same mindset when it comes to the things that psychologically paralyze us in life, which we all experience? There's not a person who escapes that journey.
1: You mentioned in the book that for a long time, you'd been paralyzed by fears that even caused you to fear death sometime after Todd's accident. Mm-hmm. What was going on there and how did God heal you?
2: So I shared with you, I've I've I have battled anxiety for longer than I actually realized. I discovered it uh, just even last year. I had been speaking on this topic for five years uh, before I realized it actually went back to my childhood. And uh, I had fear actually of, of, of a bully in my classes' mom wanting to come kill me and I would get up in the middle of the night and look out the window anytime a car lights went by to make sure it wasn't her pulling into the driveway. Just real irrational feel fears um, and, and and those are things that through the course of my life have 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 taken, um, many, many different aspects. Like it's, it's surfaced in many different ways. And one of it really uh, was from a health perspective, you know, just this fear, this hypochondria. So, so to speak this fear of, of dying that I'm dying and um, this fear that I am going to die and fear that the, the people I love or are going to die. And it, it was paralyzing. It was um, absolutely living with just this tremendous fear. Day in and day out is no way to live. Um, but God started laying on my heart uh, probably, you know, I'd say about five years before the accident. He started laying in my heart just this, this what I call it, the truth, fact, lie lesson where, you know, you really have to kind of take hold of these things thoughts of impending doom, or these, um, what I call limiting beliefs. Um, and you have to take hold of them. And you really have to test and determine, is this based on any fact, which a fact is a fact. Um, and if it's not based on a fact, then you have to assess, is there any truth to it? Can it be biblically found, or or factually found? And if not, then you've got to dismiss it. It's, you know, the enemy loves to creep into our brain. And I, I love to use the uh, the analogy that like if you have spiritual dehydration in your brain then there's going to be total paralysis infiltration taking place take uh taking over in there because he sees space uh he's a huge space invader in our minds and um and so part of uh me overcoming my anxieties and fear was starting to replace that space with truth with the word of god as well as uh, just the, the the power that God, I believe, places in us through the Holy Spirit.
1: Now let's talk about the positive side of the accident. if there, Yeah. And, and there is one. So I yeah. mentioned the accident was in 2015, and that changed not only Todd's life and your life, but it's changed the lives of many people since then because of the ministry it inspired. How do you think this can inspire people to believe in the possibilities in their own lives?
2: So when when god laid on my heart to start like this ministry <laughs> to start the paralyzed movement um i was I, I was not in a position to be speaking on anything from a ministry perspective in my mind and in my eyes i was completely unqualified and uh did not have the credentials to do so i did not grow up in a spiritual household uh i still like to drink beer <laughs> you know i'm just not like that that person that that I would think anybody would, would say, Oh yeah, you know, tell me about your God story. But he really laid on my heart. Like, no, you don't understand. Like you are who I need telling the story because you have a broken journey that was healed. You were paralyzed and you found your miracle through it. I was paralyzed from a psychological perspective and he showed me really through Todd's, Journey, how there's this parallel between um, the mindset and what it takes to start to overcome the things that psychologically paralyze us. We have to begin to adopt the same mindset. You know, I ask in every workshop that I do, I ask the question, you know, if you were or if you have been in a physical battle, how hard would you work and how long would you work? And overwhelmingly, everybody's like, hardest ever. You know, I'm going to put everything at it. And then later I pose the same question as it relates to that thing that's been, that they have had stuck in their lives for far too long. And some people, three quarters of their lives, they've been battling something, a half of their life, they've been battling something. And I asked them, how hard have you worked on that? And for how long? And then it's crickets because they know that it's not comparable the effort that they put in. And I am not saying that to that that applies to everyone. I know there's a lot of people who have overcome significant things because they put that work in and, and they're no longer paralyzed. So they're proof of the process. They're proof of that mindset and what we can accomplish. We can overcome the impossible that we have in our lives.
1: I love a moment ago, you mentioned how you didn't grow up in a spiritual house. You still like to drink beer. You wrote at the start of the book some of my favorite lines. I'm not who you think I am. You know, one of those amazing Christian author ladies who has it all together. Perfect hairstyling, Southern talking, Bible knowing, God loving preacher ladies who so many of us have looked up to for so long. The ones who filled our lives with hope, biblical wisdom, and God for years. But that's not me. Not me at all. Why was it important for you to make that point?
2: because I was talking to people just like me. (laughs) I, I believe that I was writing, I know that I wrote that book for people just like me, just your, I call myself an average Josephine, not an average Joe, but an average Josephine, who despite my lack of qualifications, despite my lack of, you know, biblical education, God's using me and he's using my story and it's it has changed lives it's it's made a big difference in in people overcoming battles that they've they've been struggling with for a really really long time i want people to be able to see themselves in me and be able to go and do the same thing because really the paralyzed movement is all about it's twofold it's taking the trauma we've experienced in our life and it's turning it into triumph and it's not doing it just for our sake it's doing it for the sake of others the movement part of the paralyzed movement is intended to be a movement of people helping people overcome their battles everybody has a story to tell everybody is called to be everybody who is a christian is called to be a ministrypreneur just like me and so i wanted them to be able to relate to me right off the bat um so that they knew they were dealing with, with somebody different.
1: Well, I think we just found the title of your next book, trauma into triumph. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So you also wrote, and I quote, this future he sees for you consists of a purpose that only you can fulfill for him. You have to be a willing player. You have to have faith. You have to take risks. You were a corporate ladder climbing high achiever part of this. And you became a willing player how did you get the courage to take that leap from corporate life to follow his calling? Oh,
2: wow. Yeah. Um, it, it has been such a journey because the one thing that I would say, when God calls you, he does it in, in increments. You know, I, I, I feel like he, he, he gives you an opportunity to step in faith. That's, that's somewhat manageable, but it still takes faith. And then as you go through each step in pursuing that calling and pursuing that purpose, then just that risk gets to be more and more. And I was fortunate enough uh, when I took my first leap of faith was when I was traveling the world that corporate ladder climbing girl. I had a dream job. I literally, I, it was, I was all over the world. I was like on the Great wall of China. I was experiencing these amazing, amazing, like memorable experiences, but my heart was not across the world. My heart was back home. I was a mom and I was, I missed seven mother's days in a row, seven mother's days. And so my heart was being ripped apart and, and God was showing me that. And so the first step that that I took in following that was just following my calling to be a mom. And uh, I, I walked away from a dream job uh, to make less money, but I did it knowing that my heart would be better. And as soon as I took that step, I, I was comfortable. And I think that every step that we take that seems so uncomfortable in the beginning, when we take it and we find that comfort and we find that safe, that it's still safe, then then it becomes easier to take the next step. To I ended up eventually um, walking away from corporate world to start my own consulting business. The consulting business was still my safety net. And then last year, I decided that I had to walk away from the safety net of, of corporate world altogether. And I, I walked away from a long-term contract that I had had for five years and um, decided to uh, pursue really this God mission full time and not knowing what was on the other side to pay for it. And, um, and so God just continues to provide. So part of it is like taking risk, but part of it is just believing that we're going to be cared for, cared for, and provided for uh, even after we do it.
1: So what advice do you have for others to do the same thing you did when the uncertainty can be so scary?
2: <laughs> um, so I, I think that it's a process. So kind of part of my next journey is I'm actually, I'm, I'm focusing on the ministrypreneur. Um, I'm focusing on helping the ministry ministrypreneur. Uh, I'm in the middle of building something really cool and awesome that uh, hopefully you know maybe beginning of next year i'll start trickling that out but to me it's 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 twofold it's it's taking the mindset of of an entrepreneur in some instances because regardless if we want to open a soup kitchen or if we want to serve the homeless no matter what their sacrifice that's involved and whenever there's sacrifice that's involved there has to be appropriate planning. And so like any good entrepreneur, you can't go into it blind because then you're going to find those setbacks are more difficult to manage. And so part of it's both planning the journey of the mission and the ministry and what you're doing, but also it's gotta be, it's gotta be having help and support and navigating the spiritual journey. There are so many phases, like I'm just coming out of the season of the wilderness um, I truly, it was it was dark and hard, um, and it was quiet, and um, it it taught me how to practice things differently. But there's all these seasons, just like the early ministry preneurs, the disciples, and I mean, even the 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 woman at the well was a ministry preneur. She had to go outside her comfort zone and go share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ to to people that weren't gonna. Find her credible. And and so there there's all these phases that that people go t- through when they're ministrypreneurs. And and it's properly preparing yourself for that journey and knowing how to navigate it too. So it's it's kind of organizationally focused and and spiritually focused.
1: If you haven't done so already, I think you need to put a trademark on ministry preneur because that's just A great definition.
2: I'm I'm in the process of doing that. And I've I've been I've been um told that there might be a certain preneur organization that's gonna uh that 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 might try to fight that. So I I don't know if there's any good lawyers listening that want to join my cause. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, but who knows, we'll see how it goes.
1: Stay tuned. (laughs) We've been talking to Amanda Zwanzinger and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The White House
0: Doctor makes house calls.
2: If you're struggling to understand your self-worth or deal with mental health challenges, you will want to tune into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Dr. Cliff and his guests will help you understand and work
0: toward what you need to build your best life. Your life matters today.
2: Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. 9141, or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: We are back. I'm Chris Meek, and my guest today is Amanda Zwanzinger, best author of The Paralyzed Movement, Finding Purpose, Peace, and Freedom from the Things Paralyzing You in Life. Amanda, you make the point that one reason women are mentally paralyzed is because they are typically so focused on everyone else. They don't prioritize thinking about their own issues. The psychology and tradition of caregiving are so ingrained in our society and in women. How can they win that psychological battle going on inside of them?
2: So this is, this is to me just, it's so societal um, because we are, we are ingrained to be caretakers and, and that is, a that's an immediate spiritual gift that we all as women uh, been given. But, at the same time, we were not created to be stuck in so many ways in our lives because what ends up happening, I I, I love to use, in fact, um, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve, we're probably going to talk about him a little bit, but he's an inspiration for when I speak and I do a whole Superman discussion and I talk about how everybody's given these superpowers and and when we have paralysis in our lives it's like kryptonite well women have like tremendous superpowers that are absolutely limited in so many ways because of the paralyzing things that they face in their lives and and not taking care of themselves and how do i think um you know i and i write a lot about it in the book i think that there's a lot of steps that you have to go through in order to overcome things, but, but no, no different than what we've learned from, you know, the warriors that we, we, we met in rehabilitation. It takes rehabilitation. It takes both, um, uh, 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 the right mindset. It takes the right heart and it takes the right community surrounding you. And so the first thing that I would say to anybody who, any woman out there that is feeling like, uh, I am that girl, I am taking care of everybody else. And I I am broken in so many different ways. To that person, I say, first, find somebody to help carry you. There's uh, a healing in the Bible. Uh, There was a paralyzed man in Capernaum and he was uh, obviously paralyzed and wanted to be healed by Jesus, but he couldn't get there alone. And so he had four men on a mat carry him to Jesus and and go above and beyond. They took him to a roof and they dug a hole through the ceiling to to lower him. And and he would have never found that healing if somebody wasn't carrying him. So what I say is the first step is find somebody that's going to be willing to help carry you, that's going to be willing to help walk through this journey and be somebody to to counsel you and talk you through uh, difficult times.
1: You also pose a profound question: Why are we willing to work harder and longer to move physically, but the very things that paralyze us psychologically and keep us from happiness, peace, and purpose get our minimum effort? Why is that?
2: It's such a good. It's such a good question because, um, I mean, look what we do to preserve our physical well-being. I mean, how many diet books have come out in this world and Botox and people getting tummy tucks and whatever we go through all of this to preserve ourselves physically. And, and I mean, think about the medical journeys, too. You know, I, I think about the people I've known who have battled cancer and how trying of a time it is to go through the, the healing journey, but they do it to be well. But when it comes to our psychological well-being, we do not put that effort in. And, and I, I, I ask everybody when I speak, I say, why, why do you go through what you go through to maintain your physical well-being to be mentally unhealthy? Why are you doing that? And the, the reality is, is that there is a mindset that we have when it comes to psychological journeys that things are impossible to overcome. Either for ourselves, or from for the people that we love. Think about how many people have written off those who might be battling an addiction or something, thinking it's impossible for them to overcome. Well, that's not the case. It, it is possible, and we need to begin to adopt that mindset. That you know, it says there's a Bible verse that says, "With God, all things are possible." But before that, it says, "Humanly speaking, it's impossible." Impossible is a human-made word. I I love uh, using the I, I coined the term "impossible is impossible," because it is. It, it, it if you are a follower of Christ, we should remove impossible from our vocabulary because it's not in His. So it is an impossible word. Let's let's remove it. Um, and and once we're able to do that and we're able to view things with possi- through the, the lens of possibilities, then everything changes.
1: I think you should trademark impossible is impossible also, but we'll, we can talk about that it's later. It's process. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I should have cop- known that. It's
2: a copyright, actually. I uh, should have process. known
1: that. <laughs> so the Bible uses the word paralysis to describe both people who were physically unable to move and psychologically unable to move what do you believe are the metaphors associated with the miraculous healings of the paralyzed in the Bible?
2: So I actually love to share with people to, to go to both, um, uh, both stories. You have the paralyzed man in Capernaum, and then you'll also have the paralyzed man of a a Roman officer. And I encourage people to go and read both of those stories, because when you look at these stories, they're, they're actually like the cliff notes of the gospel, <laughs> they cover it all. But what what Jesus does in, in both of these situations, when he when he heals the this paralyzed servant of the Roman officer, the Roman officer s- said to Jesus, don't come to my home, you know, stay where you are and your words will heal him. And so Jesus, it, 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 there, here's this Roman officer who's saying, Jesus, you don't need to go and lay hands on him. You don't even need to be physically present. I believe and have faith that your words are going to heal him. And I believe that that's such a strong metaphor in where our healing is from the things that paralyze us psychologically. We do not need, although he's physically present with us, we do not need anything but the word of God to find our healing. That just say the words from where you are are in our Bibles, and that is where there is so much profound um, healing, and uh, it it it's the Cliff Notes <laughs> of what we need to do to overcome it. But it, it also was very very metaphorical in in my mind, and if there's um, you know any uh, any Bible uh, theologians that are gonna uh, poke a hole in this. I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm not schooled in it. But what I read when I read uh, the story about the paralyzed man in Capernaum uh, being healed, he he first says, your sins are forgiven. And then everybody scoffs, the crowd scoffs. and, And then Jesus says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And, and he, he kind of equates, he puts these in the same sentence and, and what I, what I see in that is that, you know, when your sins are forgiven, that, that is the freedom that allows us to find movement in our lives, the standing up and walking. so the paralyzed movement is, is real, it really drills down to this message where if we've already been freed of it, if, if. If God has already forgiven us, or if God has already forgiven those who have harmed you, then, then stand up and walk from it. Don't stay stuck and paralyzed where you are. Find the movement that has been the freedom that that Jesus Christ took to the cross for you.
1: What can we discover by performing paralysis analysis in our own lives?
2: Oh, man, you can find a whole whole lot, (laughs) You know, it's, it's really amazing. Um, I, I, so I do, I, I call it the porch exercise and um, it kind of, it, it centers around thinking about like, we kind of sit inside our houses, shade shut, darkness. We don't want anybody seeing this darkness inside us. So, you know, we just, it's closed off. It's even closed off for us to see it. And the porch exercise is just about stepping out onto the front porch to begin to spread, shed some light on those areas in our lives that have us paralyzed. There's two things I love and I talk about. One is a fruit of the spirit test that's in the book. The other part that's in the book is this porch exercise and it's visiting. Porch stands for P, our pasts. The O is for our behaviors. R is relationships. C is choices and H is health. And kind of going through that porch exercise to determine where am I stuck? And sometimes it's the heavy, big stuff, but sometimes it's the annoying small stuff. There are, I, I sometimes suffer from procrastination and it can create paralyzing situations in my life. I once had a house project going on for 10 years that was not done and it really caused anxiety and and just unhappiness. Why would I let it go on so long? So the part of paralysis analysis is just discovering those things and, and beginning to identify them so that you can start the process of rehabilitating what it is, whether it's your house or whether it's a big issue in your life.
1: Well, my listeners know I'm working on getting my doctorate now and you talk about procrastination and, Uh, you know, staring at the dissertation. I'm like, oh boy. So we'll look at, look at it later. Right. (laughs) So, oh, you uh, just
2: caused anxiety in me there.
1: Uh, oh, trust me. I've got it with, thank you. Uh, sorry about that. There's another phrase you wrote about, which I loved in one chapter that you're guilty of squirrel chasing.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Now, I'm sure you're not running around your backyard chasing squirrels with a rake or a broom or something. What's really going on with squirrel, trace, squirrel chasing?
2: Oh, man. I, I tell you what, I, I love talking about squirrels. And, and every, every time I speak, I'm talking about squirrels. Squirrels are those things that are in life that are intended to distract us from, um, you know, the mission and the purpose that we have, but also the life that we're intended to live. And there's, you know, there's so many societal squirrels right now um, that come in big ways. And, you know, social media is, uh, it, it is it is a giant squirrel for so many different people. But I talked about squirrels. Because I feel like squirrels end up being distractions from really taking hold of those things in our lives and tackling them. Um, it's just, it's way more fun to chase something than to do the hard work. Um, and so for me, like, it took me five years to write my book because I was chasing squirrels. Five years. I always joke I was paralyzed writing the paralyzed movement because it's true. <laughs> So, yes, uh, just be aware of squirrels, recognize them when they happen. And, and I'm not saying you can't chase them every now and then, just be mindful of when you do.
1: I love that phrase. So we were talking before the show, you're an Iowan, and another one of your stories, and I even say one of your parables, has to do with a famous Iowa event named Rag Bray. It's the Register's annual great bike ride across Iowa, sponsored by the Des Moines Register. tell the story of two rides that you did how those rides differ and what were the lessons that you share with your audiences
2: oh i love this story uh so ragbri is it is a bike ride literally across iowa from the missouri river over to the mississippi river i've never done the whole the whole stretch but i decided one year that i was going to try it if you've grown up in iowa you know ragbri and um it's probably on everybody's bucket list at some point in time so I had a friend doing it. it, was leaving from the town I lived in and going to a, a town um, about 45 uh, minutes away. I wanna say it was 60 some miles, I don't even know. Uh, but a friend was doing it and invited me to do it. And I had had zero training and I owned a road bike or not a road bike, a beach cruiser. I like the kind that you would ride <laughs> on the beaches in Florida. And that's all I had. But I did not know because I was not a biker that you should not ever do a hilly bike ride for a long distance on a beach cruiser. So uh, the first time I did it, I I struggled. I struggled and um, it was it was just absolutely a nightmare. And I just remember just constantly being focused on, the hill and, and getting over the crest of the hill. Um, the, the second time that I did it, I got smart and I ended up um, borrowing a friend's road bike and it was literally a completely different experience. I was last place. I think I was last place getting into town the first go round. And and finally, the second go round, I was able to enjoy myself. I was able to stop at all the fun stops and, and whatnot, whereas the first time it was just it was grueling pain and that's all that it was the 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 really the metaphor in this is it, it's kind of twofold one when we're dealing with paralyzed things in our lives uh we tend to focus on the pain we focus on the painful journey as opposed to what's on the other side of the of that journey and I think that if we were to uh, uh, kind of adopt that mindset to not be thinking about the pain that we're in but be thinking about the relief that we're going to experience as we crest that hill and we're able to coast again that's where it that's where that's one thing where we need to that's where the hope and the belief in in a better tomorrow comes but then the other piece of it is just the faith component. If if you are paralyzed and you don't believe in God, like I respect you. I respect your, you know, your belief system and and your opinions. Um but speaking from my own experience, having been somebody who who didn't have God in my life and then becoming somebody who did, I equate it to the beach cruiser versus the road bike experience. You know, having God in my life has taken my journeys and made it more smooth sailing and a more enjoyable ride. Even when I was battling, you know, difficult hills and difficult things in the journey, it was easier and it was smoother. Whereas when I didn't have God helping me navigate those things, I was just focused on the pain and constantly wanting to give up and and quit the fight. Um, that to me is is the message that or the metaphor in in that journey on Reg
1: You just mentioned coasting and smooth sailing.
2: Mm -hmm. Let's
1: talk about the opposite of that and getting stuck. Mm. Talk to us about limiting beliefs that cause us to get stuck.
2: So to me, limiting beliefs are, they're either, they're either, you know, so ingrained in us because of our past and because of things that we've experienced um, or we have limiting beliefs because of either current situations and current things going on in our life, or because the enemy is attacking us. Um, no matter what, the enemy is involved in all of it because he's letting it stay there. But there is there is no doubt in my mind that para- being paralyzed comes from the limiting belief of of being able to overcome something. And Um, You know, the one thing that I learned from, from Todd, there was never an I can't or an I won't never in his journey. It was, I will, and, and I can, and there was never poor me's or why me's it was, it was this mindset of belief and If we don't take on that same mindset with whatever it is that's in our life, if it's somebody we love and they're battling something and we are not having belief in their possibilities, then the limiting beliefs are going to be what what keep us paralyzed, what keeps us stuck and will will help us to never overcome and, you know, live the better life that we're intended to live.
1: Do you still get stuck sometimes?
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. That's the that's the cycle. Um, But knowing the truth and being able to recognize it and manage it, then you're not stuck as long. Um, You're you're able to. And I can certainly say I'm not stuck as often or as frequent as I used to be.
1: The paralyzed movement has transformed from being a women's ministry to becoming a message for businesses and organizations outside of the church. What do you think that transformation can benefit, or who, or how can it impact the most?
2: Well, I'll first answer that and say that I think that the message can benefit anyone and everyone. Um, but there's there's two particular areas that I am focusing on right now. In addition, and and the first being really what I consider um, people who are at at greater risk um, for being in paralyzed situations because their their circumstances in life have have never really set them up to be able to overcome. Um and so i'm I'm going into prisons um right now. Uh, I believe in 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 helping those which I would kind of say are on the margins. It could be generational poverty, it could be um, homelessness, substance abuse. there 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 is such an opportunity to transform the mindsets of of individuals who who are hopeless because it's ingrained. Um, they they haven't had that opportunity to believe in a greater future and a greater tomorrow. So like I'm so pumped beyond belief to be taking this message to especially women in prison. Um, the second is in business. Um, I I don't know if you're aware or have seen the statistic, but in just the past couple of years, We've gone from eleven percent eleven percent of adults having either depression or anxiety thoughts to forty one percent, thirty percent more. And those very humans, and i this is what I, I speak about this in business uh, in in business events all the time. that those same people that are struggling with those issues are working in your business. The, the mindset of it's not personal, it's business needs to be land blasted because everything in business deals with a person who is dealing with personal battles. And so part of the message that I'm, I am communicating to businesses is beginning to help create cultures that look at the human heart and the personal heart that is coming through their doors every day And if we as team members and as leaders begin to look at people and their hearts, then culture starts to transform. And when culture transforms, then that creates a more positive environment that people just frankly need right now. They need to feel good when they come to work. It's critical right now in our our nation, in our world, it's critical that where people are spending their 40 plus hours a week is enriching them so we can basically turn back uh, the in the direction of, of where we were before, actually improving on where we were before. 41%, is it's not okay. And our businesses need to to be a part of that transformation.
1: Yeah. And, and COVID obviously was a big reason for that significant jump. And <clears throat> we've had a lot of shows focused on mental health here, and I've become a huge mental health advocate, and especially in the workplace. And you'll see me on social media posting articles from the wall street journal, from fortune magazine, from, you know, the business periodicals just to show like, this is something that has to be talked about and you can't ignore it.
2: Yeah. And part of the reason that part of the reason that the pandemic had this impact on people from a mental health standpoint is because they had more time and in isolation to focus on the things that were already paralyzing them. It was the things that they already had that were undealt with and and, and they surfaced. And, and so it's time to start rehabilitating and healing those things.
1: Amanda, we have just two minutes left. And before I forget, where can people find your book and where can they get in touch with you if they'd like you to speak to their group? Yes,
2: yeah, so, so you can get my book on amazon.com. Um, as well as m- m- most other book outlets. I don't want to uh, pick one over the other, <laughs> but yes, Amazon for sure. And then uh, I can be reached. My website is amandamotivates.com. Um, so you can either catch me there or you can email me at info at
1: We love all our booksellers equally, right? Just like our children. Yes. <laughs> Amanda Zwanzinger, bestselling author of The Paralyzed Movement, Finding Purpose, Peace, and Freedom from the Things Paralyzing You in Life. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Chris.
1: And thank you to our audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash chrismeekpublicfigure and on Twitter at chrismeek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place,